Welcome to Canada's podcast. This is Angela Fay from Canada's podcast. Today we are speaking with Sean Anstey, founder and CEO of LQWD Pronounced Liquid, the first publicly traded, purpose-built Bitcoin company that's focused on solutions that power the growth of the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Let's get straight into speaking with Sean. I don't know if you know a little bit about myself, a little background. Well, I'll talk more on the tech side and certainly my, my background. I've been tech for a long time since the mid to late, late 90s and been in internet technologies and worked on, uh, we founded a company then and we survived the dot-com. We came out the other side much younger and all those experiences that made us who we are today. And, but I've been involved in, uh, in crypto and Bitcoin since 2012. So I'm not new to the space, I'm not into tech. And uh, my other company, it's, it's called uh, Big Digital Assets, B-I-G-G on the CSE. Uh, it, it owns uh, netcoins.ca, which is one of Canada's largest uh, crypto exchanges and is the first uh, publicly public company that has a regulated, has a license. So it's actually a regulated entity, which is big news that came out last week. So it's the first in Canada in the public markets like that. And I think last spring we had about a billion dollar market cap. So yeah, congratulations uh, on that. Thank man. you. That's yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's been great. Big. And the team's done well, but I've been, there's a larger shoulder and a director. I'm not running operations. I'm not part of the, I'm not an officer of the company. I did the NetCoins acquisition in 2019 um, and combined it with our compliance soft. That, so we created this, you know, compliance first exchange and living it out with the, the, that kind of vision. But since fall of 2019, I've been working on liquid and really focused on the next phase for Bitcoin, which is the Bitcoin lightning network. And, and why it's important is, well, you have to, one, you got to understand why Bitcoin's important, why it matters, even though there's all kinds of crypto. And then, it, it, we, you know, Bitcoin, the Lightning Network, which is the next layer to it, mm-hmm. solves some of Bitcoin's issues in terms of scalability and takes it from, say, seven transactions a second into the millions of transactions a second and, and really just changes the, 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 the dynamics of it. But I think one of the things that I, I like to get into a little bit sometimes is talk about our company philosophies you know, like why bitcoin why the space what does it matter Absolutely. is yeah, you know, there's a bunch, bunch of frat boys are all you know, mining crypto in their dorms and we're all excited no it's you know, <laughs> that's the that's the nonsense part of it but and i've given some of these talks before and i was actually down at ucla on a panel that gave it we talk about we're talking about bitcoin and crypto and one of the questions that you really have to ask is <clears throat> excuse me very fundamental what is bitcoin and of course, you get your usual answers. Oh, it's a payment network, it's value store, it's money, digital money for the digital age. It is all of those things, but in actuality, those answers are incorrect. What it actually is at its very core is a trust protocol. And it solves a computer right. problem of how do you do trust on the internet without a third party intermediary? And the network handles trust. So when you think of it as a trust protocol first, you can start to uh, you can start to wrap your head around where it's going to go. Now, here's the important thing, and you get this with the privilege of time being in an industry. You you have some depth of knowledge in the industry. The internet is made up of seven technology layers, and they call this the OSI technology stack. The OSI standing for a big long name. Nobody cares about what it represents. Is quite literally the plumbing of the internet. It's how the internet works. And you have layer one, which is the jack on the wall. Layer seven is the websites and all the stuff in between, which is developed over time that makes the internet function as today. Bitcoin comes in there as layer eight to the seven layer stack, the trust protocol that we tried to do in the 90s and we failed. That's what Bitcoin solved. And when you see it as trust first, money and payments is just a first use case. Like email was a first use case in the 90s. It's going to be so much more as we change the dynamics of trust online. And as the the version one of the internet to democratize knowledge and communication, this new phase in the internet, which is a continuation of the revolution, the internet is going to help democratize finance. But also change, um, 
see it changing the ability to, to reduce corruption around the world by creating transparency at scale for many different applications beyond money that we can't even imagine yet. So we're really just setting the table for these things that over the next 20, 30 years that if the, the world will shift. And ultimately, you know, we as a company, myself, and, and some of those things we're working on, and we, we talk about this, and I have a co-author of a book that's coming up called Trust and the Rise of Bitcoin. And one of the things we talk about is, is uh, intellectual imperialism. So why do we have corrupt countries around the world? We have these countries that your whole entire life, they're still the same mess that they've been in for 40 years, as long as you live. And, and part of the issue is um, this lack of transparency. They don't hold on to the best and brightest. And we have this thing you know, called intellectual imperialism, where we actually strip mine their best and brightest by offering them a better life in Canada, the United States, better jobs, better pay. They can get ahead because it's a less corrupt countries where you can actually found a business and do things. And, and so you take their best and brightest out of these nations and you leave them with their third rate management, mm -hmm. third rate leaders, mm -hmm. and their, their systems are just archaic and forever mired in corruption. So now we, you know, the hope is with this, you know, as the internet's changed knowledge in these countries here, now you have this enhancement of trust, a trust layer that can over time reduce kleptocracies and, and create better, you know, voting records and better records for ownership of land and all kinds of things that 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 these corrupt nations are there's a lot of theft and all those kind of things going on there. Right. And if you can move a country up the corruption index, meaning there's less as less corrupt you have less reason for people to leave. And if you can allow them to retain their best and brightest, you can over the period of 30 years plant the seeds that, that will stand on 30 years that will will ultimately change an entire nation's well-being and bring them up the, the whole new level of prosperity and, 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 and what have you. And so, and part of this gets down to the sort of looking at the transparency.org, their corruption index. You know, the top 10 countries are typical Canada, Finland, et cetera, and they're all like scores of 90, 91. Down the bottom, dead last is Somalia with a score of eight. And in between there, you've got in African nations and it's typical Eastern European around the bottom third. And, and it's no surprise, but ultimately they have you know broken systems, and, and this is where we you know, the hope is that we'll see this morph over time and, and really change the structure of it. I love that analogy as far as the the trust protocol, money and finance is really just the first this right. is the first use case. Correct. Is that why Liquid is really focusing on the monetary network? Yeah, absolutely, for sure. So certainly okay. remittances. Uh, uh, reducing costs for and friction for payments, the ability to create the rails effectively. You're looking at new financial infrastructure, new rails that are uh, open, mm -hmm. what they call open architecture, really just an extension of the internet. And so just as back in the day, you'd have private networks for people to try to get on and communicate with, eventually everybody morphed to the internet because it was just so much easier. And so the right. same thing is happening now on the payment level where you could try to connect to some company's private network if they allow you to, or you could just use the open lightning network and everybody's happy because it's easy to use. Well, and let's just talk about that for a second. I understand, I have a very basic knowledge to cryptocurrencies. Right. I've got a little bit of investment personally, but, and I understand Bitcoin, where some of my confusion gets into the mix shown is I've seen this rise of hundreds of cryptocurrencies. I saw a map the other day that had logos of all these different cryptocurrencies that are evolving. Why the focus on, on Bitcoin specifically and or and what is the role of all of these myriad of other uh, cryptocurrencies? But Bitcoin is the first and the anchor of the industry. It's like the reserve currency of the industry. Okay. And it had this weird kind of birth where nobody, no, no foundation established it. It just kind of morphed unto itself. And, and so there's really no central head to it. It is truly decentralized where a lot of these other 
there may be tokens for very specific projects. There may be a smart contract network where they're trying to establish something with it. Or sometimes they're just simply clones and they're just simply pump and dumps and they're just trying to take money out of the market. Mo I would say 95% of the crypto out there is, is probably along those lines. Some of them are just science experiments where people are trying things and that's great. You might see that technology bleed back into the more mature project, projects like Ethereum or, or Bitcoin. But ultimately, Bitcoin is the purest one and it's the one that represents you know, native digital currency for the internet age and it has the brand and has all the decentralization and all those things and, and the lightning network is the key to, to scaling it up because it's such open um, source code anybody can take it and fork it and make their own type of projects and start to um, adjust for them. and you'll see some interesting projects maybe very specific and will be currencies but they may be addressing certain issues potentially there's link and ban these other protocols that try to take outside data and validate it so it could be used within the, within other networks and there's interesting things like that whether they're successful or not we don't know but those are i look at those um, you want to see legitimate tech projects have a shot at going far, right. whether they succeed or not is nothing. And then we, it's nice to see regulation stepping in and law enforcement kick in, and especially with the, all, the, all the ICOs in the past and all those things and going after these groups that it's not a free ride. And uh, there's, there's, Sean, can I just touch on the, the safety and security? I know Big has another company, blockchain intelligence group. Just... Yeah, it was a wild ride for sure. And so oh. we, we work, the company works with law enforcement all over the world. Yeah. I've been all over the world meeting regulators and, and, and training all the cyber you know, police and stuff. Well, I guess my question for you is related to this safety and security. There's this, uh, and I'm going to pick on headlines only because people get caught up in headlines. Which sure, I'm absolutely. Standing, I think you... You might see a headline where cryptocurrency is really just enabling the dark web or it's a bad behavior. But the reality is that's that's just a small portion of what's happening in the blockchain world. One of my goals is to dispel safety concerns for the average entrepreneur or small business owner and get into cryptocurrencies. Sean, your thoughts on what is the first step that somebody really needs to take to, to get into this new decentralized finance systems and why is it so important considering the headlines that are scaring us? And that's a broad way. So some of the headlines are related to decentralized, some of the DeFi stuff, decentralized finance that are really cutting edge and they may have problems in the code, they may have hacks. And then when we get back to just say Bitcoin, which is what I think people should focus on if they're new to the space, just focus on Bitcoin. It's the one and it's the reserve, it's the first and everything is, is based on that. And it had that, the way that it would, came into being was very uh, unique and near impossible to duplicate. The, and so do you, we look at Bitcoin. So if somebody's getting into space, I would say you can go to netcoins.ca, open up an account, buy a little bit of Bitcoin, get your, get into it slowly, read a lot about it. Try to understand what it is. Try to stay away from all the, there's a lot of hype and people saying you should buy this coin or that coin or this thing or that thing. And really that's, and just focus on, on really where them, uh, just understand Bitcoin first. And, and then from there, everything else, you can look, you can look at Ethereum, you can look at other things, but really it's Bitcoin at the one. I have Ethereum. I, I like Ethereum. It's a very interesting project. It's made the whole crypto and the public blockchain space come alive. I really think it's in some respects, it reminds me of that Netscape. Because Netscape, the navigator with the browser came out and suddenly the internet went from being this command line thing to like you could see it and it was cool and it just it kicked right. off the whole space. Ultimately, they died a death of a thousand cuts and the, the, the technology got bled into other source, other projects and what have you. But that may be the fate for Ethereum. I don't know. But focus on just focus on Bitcoin and learning everything about that first before they get into anything else. And then the rest of it is a bit of the Wild West for sure. And there's the good, the bad, the ugly with it. But 
the technology moves at a blinding pace. You mentioned dark web and all the scary stuff there. I've spent a lot of time on the dark web working for a blockchain intelligence group and working yes. with you know, Homeland Security and other federal agencies and spent a lot of time in Washington, D.C. The dark web is actually, it's a clever name, but ultimately it's called the Tor Network, which is actually funded by the U.S. Navy and, and it's, it's, a US, it's a government project. Um, much like the internet started off as part of the U.S. government became open source. The dark web is just a way for people to try to communicate without, with some anonymity. And of course, right. people think they have bad people do bad things when they think they can get away with it. And so you see, you've seen a lot of the drug sales and proliferation of all those kinds of things happen on the dark web. Now, Bitcoin's usage in it, um, it just happens to be that Bitcoin is very convenient for making payment around the world. Right. It's super, it, it solves a huge problem. And Criminals are typically in the business of they're either going to make a lot of money, they're going to go to jail, or they're going to get shot and killed. Not a lot of choices. And so they're always right. looking for an edge. And back in the 90s, they were, once the internet hit a certain inflection point, like the early 90s, they got onto it right away. And people were like, oh, that internet, it's all full of hackers and crackers and criminals and it's drug dealers and it's terrible. We don't want anything to do with the internet. And of course, the banks didn't want anything to do with the internet. They're like, if you had a bank, it, really tough to get a bank account if you're an internet company. And if you had a right. visa, if you took visa number over the internet and you plugged it into your terminal and visa found out, they take your terminal away. Right now, it's like most of their business runs over the internet including the backbone and everything, a bunch of other stuff. The criminals were just the first to embrace the internet because it was, and ultimately as law enforcement got a handle on it, the technology matured, it became more and more mainstream. It, it, it's yes, that element's still there, but ultimately you know, there's a lot of great uses that came out of it. The same thing's happening for Bitcoin. It needs to shake off that reputation. There's companies like Blockchain Intelligence Group and others that are working with law enforcement and law enforcement's got a much better handle on it. And uh, it's also become a much smaller percentage of the general overall transaction growth that has climbed in drastically uh, and will continue to climb drastically in Bitcoin, particularly through the Bitcoin Lightning Network, which is seeing a massive growth. Back to the Lightning Network itself. What is the Lightning Network? The Lightning Network, they call it a layer two solution. What does that mean? So you scale the internet up with multiple layers of technology. Bitcoin is following the same philosophy where, you know, there's the base layer, which is really secure. You buy, you, you get your wallet, you buy your Bitcoin. It might take a few minutes for the, the transaction to complete. Layer two solution, the Lightning Network solution that runs on top of it and interacts with the layer one solves Bitcoin speed problems. So now you have the ability okay. to do uh, millions of transactions a second. And you have, and you inherit some of the security from the from the base layer, and it's great for small purchases and rapid purchases and micro purchases, and all kinds of things are coming out of it. So, how does it work? It works very similar to how the internet works. So, what you have is you have a series of, it's a mesh network like the internet. You have a series of nodes. Nodes are just simply computers, servers, and with all those servers, you're running the Lightning Network software, which is open source. Anyone can use it. Anybody can fork it. It's 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 part and parcel of the internet. And within, you run that software of the Lightning Network and you open up what they call payment channels with other people all over the world. And, you, and so you have all these routing nodes all running on nodes, connecting to other nodes, opening payment channels to payment channels. And you may send a transaction and it might go through eight or nine hops until it reaches its final destination. And eventually, and, and that's where it's passed off to. Very similar to when you go and look up, you know, Google.com, you may actually go through Shaw or Telus and another half a dozen hops before he actually gets to their servers and back to you. And similar in concept, of course, a few little differences, but ultimately this is based upon the scaling solution how the internet's built and it's it's come a long way. And certainly over the last year, you've seen a massive growth in the charts. You're seeing this hockey step curve in terms of Bitcoin available on the network. I think there's about 143 million in capacity and climbing really rapidly and, and nodes and payment channels and the whole ecosystem is really starting to blossom forward. and. and Liquid, our opportunity in the space is 
leveraging the capital markets to get as much Bitcoin as we can, create routing nodes, participate within this network, and, and make sure that uh, we help transactions go from point A to point B. We mean, we don't know who they are. We just sit in the middle and make sure it's passed on to the next layer. And in exchange for that, uh, we earn micro fees off of it. So we're looking for high volume and we get micro fees in Bitcoin that the network is automatically designed to pay out and, and based upon what we set for our fee, free fee rate. So this is how we earn our money. As our base layer, we're going to continue to branch into other things, but that's the lightning network in a nutshell. And I hope that made sense. To me, I just want to do the analogy because sometimes uh, understanding more of traditional currencies. So mm. if, if we were talking fiat monetary currencies, what mm. would the equivalent of liquid in that space? Uh, that's a good. That's a good question. I don't think there is an equ equivalent. But if we had okay. to, you'd say there's forex dealers and there's correspondent banks, and and when you do a wire transfer and you know, yes. ETF or whatever, it may take days to go, but it may go from bank to bank until it finally gets to its final destination. You don't even know what happens behind the things with the SWIFT network, and sometimes they don't even know what happens where it is. Um, but ultimately. We would be sitting in the middle of saying, okay, we've got liquidity and we have connectivity to these other providers and we can make sure that the payment is then passed over to where it needs to go. And they're the ones that are sending it. We're not sitting there trying to do the KYC and AML on this transaction. We're just simply a network provider. It's actually more like if you had to go, we call ourselves an LSP or a Lightning Network Service Provider. So we would be like almost like an internet service provider. We'd make it very easy to get on the Lightning Network, hit a button, yes. and all the stuff happens. And, and all that, we, we cover all the magic. The stuff going on between those, between the individuals that are happening out there, we just make sure that the wires are, are working the way it is and we take our fees for that. Did I also see somewhere in researching more about Liquid that you also, part of your goal is you actually purchase Bitcoin. So you're, there's Correct. equity. Yeah. There's two reasons for that. So first off, big believers in Bitcoin. We really, you know, for the reasons stated prior, we really feel it's the future of the, of, of the internet and native digital currency and its value will continue to be unlocked. And, and, and we can get into the value on the internet. I love to talk about the value of Bitcoin and why, where we see the value of Bitcoin. But ultimately, we have this on our balance sheet because we believe in the value and its future value. And we, and, okay. and, but here's the big but. In order to run Lightning Network nodes and channels and connect to other channels, if you're going to open a channel, it is a technical requirement of the network. You, you must have Bitcoin on that channel in order for it to function. There's no Bitcoin on that channel. It won't function with the rest of the mm -hmm. network. So the more channels we have, uh, the more nodes and, uh, we, we start to run, the bigger footprint we have, the more Bitcoin we can put to work. The more Bitcoin we can put to work, the bigger our footprint, the more fees we can earn. So uh -huh. it's part and parcel, right? Just for curiosity's sake, of, of how do you operate? Based here in Vancouver, but do you have physical bricks and mortar with we do have an office in Vancouver. We do, but we really are a virtual team. We have people working all over all over the world, the company, and, and we really could be on a laptop and a mobile and work from anywhere. So it's a, it is a decentralized in that sense. Or we do plan to open an office in San Francisco. We spend a lot of time down there with uh, BIGG in terms of and being in, in that ecosystem. We know that Vancouver may be our home base, but we have to act and think and work like an like a silicon valley company that's where Absolutely. the that's where the tech central is and so we'll be down there soon i expect to be in la in a, in a few weeks but certainly uh, getting a business development point of presence down there and, and continue to leverage our, our the contacts that we have already from our time working in the industry and establish a footprint there so what do you what is your thoughts on the smaller currencies that are coming up and getting more and I could, the open EXO, EXO economy, they have EXO tokens. We have seeds, which is really about regenerative land purposes. There's sort of social purposes. Uh, yeah, social tokens, social coins. Social tokens. Coin, yeah. What, how can they 
I, I suspect that they will rise in popularity because they're cause related. But how will they integrate with the the bigger players, the the more mainstream? I, I think that's where those tokens will people be able to convert them on exchanges, and that eventually okay. maybe they might get enough traction where people want to take them as direct payment, whether it be yes. a city token or what have you. And they have yes. a long ways to go for that, and they have, there's some some considerations certainly we work with you know regulators and we hear what's going on down there now are they truly decentralized or are the, some of the token holders in position of a control block which meaning they actually are the control entity behind it and and so you know are these actually securities or, or you know or are they actually true utility tokens and so there's a lot of unanswered questions that are in that space that will get answered and certainly it's pushing the boundary for regulations and it needs to and regulation which will always run behind technology because technology moves so fast, we'll need to catch up and start to address it. But in terms of where some of these things are going, I think they're speculative for sure. And I'm a calculated risk taker, so I'm not. A, there's some place for speculation in people's portfolios if you can stomach it and you control the risk. But personally, I think if you're new to the space, you should just look at Bitcoin and try to understand the fundamentals of the industry first. And it's get easy to get caught up in some of these these things here. But that doesn't mean they don't have value or won't have value. But I wouldn't classify them as a currency because they don't. They may not necessarily fit the true definition of them. Better for the definition of a security, of course. Um, right. That's what Bitcoin's weird because it's, it's not, it's come along as a true currency and true trust protocol. Ethereum was used its, uh, the ICO method and it was classified as not a security, I believe. But some of these others for sure, and they're going to be, I mean, we've seen utility tokens, but there's, it seems to me from what I've seen, there's very few true utility tokens because if you have the idea that it may go up in value or if it has voting rights or any of these things, then it immediately fails the Howey test and, and regulators look at it and be like, no, this is, it's, it's definitely a security or if there's, depending how it was issued and who it was issued to. Now, what we like to see and we hope to continue to is that there'll be more a mechanism for people to do actual securities issuance using the whole ICO concept was flawed because it was just the Wild West and, and fraudsters took advantage of it and the hype in the market. But the underlying architecture of being able to issue and have a zero-day settlement is certainly miles ahead from where the stock market is right now, where you have a three to five day settlement and and you don't even necessarily know who owns what shares when it's when it is the whole back office that happens behind the scenes here. Meanwhile, you can hit a button in crypto and it's immediate settlement and you can see the markets in real time. Uh, and that's where it's all going to go. And that's an interesting segue because in my list of questions, I have you, you've become a publicly traded company. Yes. That is no easy feat from my Thank understanding. You. How does a tech company like yours who are specifically in the crypto space that is facing scrutiny, how, what, can you share a little bit about the process of becoming a public company? <laughs> yeah, the process. Really? So being a public company, there's advantages and disadvantages. You can stay private and raise money through VCs and advantages to that. There's also disadvantages through that as well. So it's, it's really, it's a market, you know, dealing with the public markets and certainly the venture exchanges, something we've had success with in the past and we've got a good team around there. It knows it's quite familiar with navigating it. So we have a good opportunity, a good chance to be successful again. Um, no forward-looking statements, not going to guarantee that, but certainly we feel confident in where we're going. That said, there's a, there's a lot of capital markets that are out there. There's a lot of capital we can be tapped into. And if you approach it in the right way, you can raise it with a good team and a good vision. There's there's money willing to back it, what have you. But what is the process? The process, of course, is certainly you build your business plan, you build your business, uh, you build your opportunity. Now, we are working within a really big trend. So we're not within this small little, our opportunity is as a massive scale. So we've got this big ocean that we're playing in. And within the space, we've carved out our own little, our, our needs 
niche uh, that we have that has this massive growth potential all over it. And that's really what people are backing us with. Plus, they're backing the team that's got some track record. Right. If you're going to go public, though, I, I keep telling us to other startups that we talk to, because as a public company, we'll certainly look for acquisitions. And then um, as the former executive chairman of BIGG, we bought Netcoins together. My CFO, Kim Evans, who I adore. She's an amazing person. And, and we got that transaction done in the public markets. But if you want to buy private companies, you, think, you have to be able to get an audit. Auditing and all of this aspect is very important. Mm -hmm. So if we come to you and say, hey, we like you doing. Maybe you want to join us. We have the capital. We can. <clears throat> if you can't get audited and your books are a mess, you're not going to be able to go public. And you can't retain an audit. You can't go public. It certainly is something that's always on our minds. We want to make sure our auditors are happy and we have good record keeping and what have you. So that's a big component of it. And then certainly having good a good structure to the public vehicle. It could be done as a reverse takeover. It could be done as a, a direct listing, as they call it. But either way, you want to have good backers behind you and you want to know where who's sold owning the shares and where your market is so you can maintain some control over your destiny. And, and at a macro level, decentralized finance as a concept is really about taking trading out of the control of, of those who have control now, which is really banks and governments, et cetera. So I just wonder, is becoming publicly traded sort of counterintuitive to becoming decentralized? Yeah, I, I wouldn't discount traditional capital markets. They will morph and change and adapt some mm -hmm. of this technology and become stronger, but there is some legitimacy that comes with it. And certainly at, um, at, at Liquid, we absolutely embrace that. And we and maybe draw on our experiences in BIDG where that's become the first publicly traded regulated crypto exchange in, in Canada and, and one of the biggest. And so same mindset that we're sort of running from the regulators we need to work with and, and, um, and go forward. Right? Could you put an estimated time frame on this hybrid digital capital markets and digital? That's a good question. You want to see the, some of the major exchanges in Canada. I, I don't know where they're at with some of the projects. I've heard the CSC is working on the tokenized and share offerings. Maybe the TSX is doing the same. I don't know. I think they will be pushed by other crypto exchanges that are going to get in into the space as well mm -hmm. and be able to tokenize offerings. And if they don't keep up, competition's going to wake them up and force them to move quicker. There is the back office that, of course, in terms of how the, the shares are transferred and what have that need to be done and a bunch of, it's a big undertaking, but it needs to be, it needs to be pushed that way. And it's probably another three to five years out until that actually, until we really see it. But I believe the next sort of 24, 36 months are a real revolutionary phase where it's wow. people are going to really wake up. Exciting. This is the thing, right? Uh, I, I gave this talk to some bankers when I was in New York. And I was, and we talk about Bitcoin and we talked about the payments and banking and all that kind of stuff. And I can, and I was like, what do you think your biggest threat is? And they're like, let's say AML and compliance and regulators. I'm like wrong, completely yeah. wrong. We, we already saw that. We have more clarity into what's going on here with analytics and all the stuff we have here on an open network. Your biggest risk is inaction. Because how long do you mm -hmm. think it's going to be until Silicon Valley wakes up and realizes that they can get into banking too? And they have mobile phones, access to everybody around the world, the Android, iPhone, and, and these massive companies are going to look at and realize that Bitcoin is effectively the monetary trust network. They can get into banking as well. And so you, when you look at it from that perspective, and more, so here, I'm like from a bank, you have customers, you have bankers who understand banking, you have capitals, you're currently in a pull position. But the sands are eroding away, just like the sands are eroding away for Sears and Kmart and all the other ones while Amazon and the internet came along and destroyed their business models. And your threat is you're not, you shouldn't be worried about other banks. You should be worried about Silicon Valley and the titans yes. of tech coming for your industry yes. and because they will do it and they are already working on it. And here's the thing. Here's the biggest thing. They have armies of developers of the best and brightest 
backed by massive amounts of capital. And this army of developers, I know this firsthand because they're guys like myself, they are born and bred into a culture of disruption, will love nothing more than to take a 600-year-old banking industry in Wall Street and turn it on its head. And they are coming for you. <laughs> I love it. I, and I just want to reiterate something really important that you said is the regulators and the advisors and the policy makers are, I'll call them our friends. So they should not really be threatened by this. They should be excited about this. Yes. Perhaps their individual jobs will change and morph. But to me, policy is what lags behind and makes sense of what's happening in the big picture, right? What's happening in, in the population, they try and make sense of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the regulators, they, they do their best. There's a lot of new tech coming at them. There's conflicting things that are going on. And maybe some of them are trying to protect the traditional banking interest. Maybe they're not. I, some of the stuff you even see in government in terms of we're going to regulate it and the new laws that were trying to be passed in terms of how they're, going, they're talking about. We heard this back in the early 2000s and they were like, oh, the internet is evil and bad. And we even heard senators and we should ban the internet and we should tax it and we should do this. All bluster. Right. all went away that came and went and this is the same thing it's amazing how there's so many similarities uh between what's going on in the bitcoin and the crypto space and, and the internet back then as it was morphing on. and it's very simple it's because this is just a continuation of the revolution of the internet it's just the next phase, the next phase. there's a lot of uptake in cryptocurrencies with starting with companies and then of course nations mm -hmm. but we're seeing some nations completely ban cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. And then we are seeing other countries actually adopt it and decide, no, they're, that's their now their main form of... Yeah, El Salvador is taking it on and others will El too. El Salvador, and, right? right. I mean, it's a, it's a brilliant move and, and certainly getting into it because it is the next sort of reserve currency and it is the native currency for the internet. How right. powerful is that? And so you look at China and they're, they're certainly trying to back their central bank digital currencies and they're trying to circle the wagons. And I think they've really made a misstep here. And they've chased all their Bitcoin miners out to Texas and all over. And America is just winning by default. And because it's the United States and the Western nations are open more and more. And, uh, and yeah, it's definitely a misstep. I think in the future, you can see, you'll see from federal banks and other, they'll, they'll have to have Bitcoin as a reserve currency for the, for this new age. And you just look at how, you know, the generations that are coming up, they, everything's digital. They don't care about printed money per se. And, and it so gets down to also big why Bitcoin has value too. And where I, where in a way I see the value in Bitcoin. And that gets down to that original thing we were talking about how Bitcoin is layer eight to the seven layer OSI stack. And so when you just, I draw the simple analogy in my mind going, well, back in 1998, I think it was or 99, we, they, there was estimates that the internet was worth about $180 billion. That's what it would take Microsoft and Yahoo and all these big companies to rebuild the internet. And you fast forward to about 2004 and Google goes public and then they're like, oh, it's worth three, $4 trillion. We think it by 2010, we're like, oh, it's worth $20 trillion or a massive amount. And now it's an unfathomable number what the internet's worth. And that's just the original seven layers of technology. What is the eighth layer, the, the layer that does trust? What's that worth? Right now we're saying it's worth 600 billion. That, that's it. Something which is going to revolutionize the entire internet and it happened right away, but certainly as its value is unlocked, it has the potential to to really hit in astronomical numbers because it represents a fundamental change to how the world will work. And so this is where we look at in terms of value, or I look at well, in terms of. And in, in Western cultures in particular, or progressive economies, one of the key metrics of wealth has been real estate. So mm -hmm. there was a quote on one of, your, one of your business pages that your goal, Liquid's goal, is to build a strong brand and then capture valuable land 
in the highly sought after digital payments industry. Uh, correct. You, and I know the analogy is digital, not physical land, but what do you mean by that? So when we talked about the nodes and the channels and the payment channels, we want to make that footprint as big as possible. We want to have connectivity to as many people as possible and sit in the middle of that and be able to route and handle as much uh, traffic and transaction volume as possible and earn as much fees off of that possible. And I want you to establish relationships unless you really mess it up. It's, you're not going to lose those relationships and they become very valuable over time as you hit an inflection point and, and you start to move forward. And that's where we were saying it, it'll never be as easy to establish routes and payment channels as it is now in two, three years from now more majors are in there and, and you can have well-heeled companies moving in. They become much more difficult for a startup there. So we're at a great time. We've got our self-offering in place to be able to raise more capital and start to really plant our flag at, at the right time. We'd be want to be early, not too early. <laughs> we like, and I like to plan spaces that are, it's not bleeding edge, but it's still not quite understood by the, by the public. And you're building into this wave because you can either be early on time, whatever that means, or you can, but you can't be late. Right. If you're late, you're finished. So right. it's just not, if for a startup, it's just not going to happen because you don't have the capital to buy your way out of the, you can just buy startups. And it, so you have to be, you have to be aggressive and build into this, this moving wager. So for us, capture as much digital land as we can while it's possible and, and, and continue to grow that footprint aggressively. I'm confident that the future is decentralized living spaces. Now live in these massive urban centers, the future is moving to high quality places with Super fast access to nature, WH. Here you can work for a global company anywhere in the world and still be based in decentralized location. When it comes to the physicality of, of land, how can we leverage cryptocurrencies in land asset value? How, where do you see that going in the next five years? Is land asset value or in terms of being able to have land deeds and everything's registered properly on, on an immutable ledger, especially not, not so much in Canada, but also more, more in corrupt nations where you can't have that taken away from you and you can have that sense right. of ownership, which is important. So I think that's one of the first things there and, and not done on private blockchains that the government can shut down, but actually have markers put into the public blockchain, i.e. Bitcoin, that is backed by world, you know, a world of computers that you can't turn off. So you, nobody can right. deny that it ever happens. So I think that's one part of it. And in terms of the, uh, the currencies and payments, yeah, well, the Canadian dollar will be there, but people will be able to do peer-to-peer -peer instant payments using these networks yes. where the Lightning Network represents data markers for fiat currency on, off, and other sides or where people take Bitcoin natively as they choose. And so it'll certainly work on that. And maybe you will have, and like you said, people living together because you're like-minded, so that's your tribe. And yes. uh, you're with your tribe. And then and within that, maybe the tribes will have their own tokens and stuff like that down the line. I don't know, but uh, or they just simply embrace... Uh, you know, the main networks and, and what have you, but it definitely plays into it and it plays into you know, distributed payments, distributed effectively the good and the bad of Bitcoin and uh, what have you. So you are your own bank. That's good because now you have complete control. Of, you know, and for a lot of people who are unbanked, I mean, there's 3 billion people around the world that have unbanked or underbanked and don't even have a bank account. Now this represents the first time they can actually get access to financial services, which is Mind blowing for us to be not imagine you can't have financial services, but many people around the world don't have financial services, and you'll never, you'll forever be mired in poverty. But and so that's very exciting. Of course, there's the responsibility that comes with running everything on your own bank because if you lose your crypto, you're there's no insurance and you're on your right. own. So this really is, of course, that's where some people would be more comfortable to use custodial services. But there's there's that comfortability out there, and you'll see a hybrid. But I, I like your analogy. I want to come back and finish off a little bit with transacting with Bitcoin using 
the Lightning Network, which is really Liquid's mandate. There's five dot points on your website, which is leveraging the network infrastructure to send payments globally, instantly, and cheaply. Uh-huh. Integrating new payment infrastructure for your business. Harnessing your ability to leverage streaming and micropayments. Controlling your own payment rails and scalability to use worldwide. Can we talk a little bit, Sean, about a use case? If you are a small business or you're a startup today. Companies yes. are signing up. They want to use the Lightning yes. Network. They want to take uh, crypto and Bitcoin as a payment. Uh, yes. Our system there, you hit a button, you get a Lightning Network node in the channel, and we help provide you some liquidity. And you have the ability then to create invoices, receive payments immediately on the network with instant settlement. And you're in you're full control of this. So it's actually quite simple. But some of the aspect that we're doing, because we're an LSP, we're actually working with other wallet providers and other to help ensure that they have liquidity for their clients. And some of these actually are engaged with creating things for podcasters of all things. As a good example, where podcasters can be paid on a peer-to-peer basis and the technology is being built in for the first time ever, where you can be paid on a streaming basis and you can be paid in real time. So yes. money can literally stream in real time for whatever portion you use, and it represents these markers. It, it, it does represent, uh, and you're not beholden to you know the credit card companies and the fees and what have you. So you have this ability to to take payments. So from our perspective, we have companies that you know like they sign up. Just had one the other day talked to. They signed up. Boom, they're ready to go. They can take Bitcoin payments. We uh, abstract away all the complications. We connect them to the rest of the Lightning Network, and now they can actually you know, receive payments for their from their customers. And they can take. We have an API system built into our platform, which will, which will be getting into more detail very soon and in, the, in a public way. And so they can integrate that API into the rest of their system, and so they can computationally deal with the Lightning Network without even having to use our interface. It's just the interface is there if they need it. And so that's an exciting part with it. So it's early days for Lightning Network, but growing at a rapid trend. And it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be very exciting as uh, we have a great team and, and uh, a big opportunity in front of us to- And I'm going to go back to the actual first step. If you're launching a startup, mm-hmm. I want to accept monetary currencies, maybe Canadian dollars, US dollars, maybe Australian dollars. And yes, I want to accept Bitcoin, seeds, tokens. These are the tokens that I want to be able to receive for payment for services. Are you, do we call you and say, can you help us that? Yeah, would you, you call us for the Bitcoin component. You'd say, okay, hey, we, we want to be able to take Bitcoin. We want, especially if we want to take Bitcoin over Lightning Network, as everybody like in El Salvador, we've got Lightning Network wallets and people are doing remittances and we're shipping overseas or whatever it may be. And that's where we fit in there. So here's okay. your infrastructure, here's your play, here's everything you have. It's a monthly fee and we take some on the, on the transaction side for helping grow payments. But ultimately, we make it very easy and it's very low cost. And we are a volume company. We're looking right. for volume. We're not looking for markup. And we're not a credit card company looking for two and a half, three percent off of everything. It's just designed for high volume. And so that's where we would fit in there. And that's the area we plan right now. So would would a fair analogy be like a PayPal equivalent? Yes. So in the sense that PayPal, but you're in charge. And you and we provide all the backend rails for it. So we're more like this company called Plaid where they provide all this new banking infrastructure that other companies use. And so yeah, ultimately you're responsible for your KYC and AML because that's what your company does. We don't get in the middle of that. We're just there providing you like, that connectivity and the ease of use of the network and making it very point, point and shoot. And then when you get on, it works. And so then we make our money off of that. We make it easy for you. For listeners, what, what actions can they take 
from today. In terms of using it, well, keep an eye on Lightning Network. It's going to be part of your future. It's going to be used for payments, but it'll also be used for anti-spam security, all kinds of communications. I mean, many aspects of the Lightning Network. You can't get away from it. And it's certainly part of what this, the new generation wants. And it's morphing around the world at a very increasing rate. So it's, whether you deal with it today or sometime, you're going to have to, it's going to cross your path. And it's coming like a freight train. You can't avoid it. So it's like trying to not use the internet <laughs> back in the late nineties, right. eventually you had to. And we had, and so that's that. And, and if you're entrepreneurs and you're out there, hats off to you. I know what it's like, and there's good days and bad days and you just keep going forward. Is there any additional sort of comment you want to throw in there about Canada? In terms of regulation and where we're Canada sitting in that space here. So we do have, to, we have a fairly progressive, Certainly with BIGG getting their restricted dealer license, that's definitely a big step forward. I do think we have a tendency to look at what's going on in the United States, the SEC and the regulators mm-hmm. have a big pull and we're a small fish in that pond. Where some of the progressive regulations are, I would look at Japan. Japan has always been about a year and a half ahead in the space. Yeah. Legitimized Bitcoin uh, a few years back, Japan and their big economy in the world. So seeing what they're doing, it's, they put some thought into it. Some of these stuff that we're, we, we need to look at is... Where the FSA in England and in Great in Britain, they tend to take a risk-based approach. After the 08 financial crisis, they had uh, in the United States they made blanket laws where the FSA simply made the hedge funds register, so they got an idea of what each business was doing. They were able to take a risk-based approach, and I think in the case of uh, Bitcoin and crypto and these types of and then technology, which is so broad and moving so fast, blanket regulation just probably won't work from a practical standpoint. It's not pragmatic. If it can't be a blanket regulation. Are, are there opportunities for provinces or cities to put themselves out there? Possibly. It could do token offerings for like bonds or municipal bonds or what have you. I don't know how that plays out in terms of some right. of the market structure. You still have to have market participants willing to buy in and, and, and manage that stuff. And then you get into... Um, custody and who's going to, you know, the custodial services that are so important because you know, certain funds can't buy certain things unless it's done a correct way. And, and even if they want to, and they like the project, like we, we can't buy it because it's not, there's no way to custody this stuff. And effectively, you're dealing right. with all these layers of financial services that have been built up over time and regulation built up over a fair amount of time. Yes, there's the stuff in 1933 and 34 from the different acts that came out, but there's different little nuances that are there. And of course, in the United States, you've got federal regulators and state regulators and, and what have you, but it'll eventually work itself out. Sean, how do we connect with you post-podcast? If you want to start accepting Bitcoin over the Bitcoin Lightning Network, that's what we deal with. And uh, yes. micropayments, all kind of stuff. Reach out to us and we can hook you up with the financial rails and, and uh, you can integrate Fine. it into your into your system. For the products and services on the Liquid website, and we'll be putting links on there where people can sign up for our platform. Perfect. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks for your time today. Thank you very much, Angela.